How you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing. It's been an interesting, I don't know, everything, I guess, for a little bit. Like the oh, whole, yeah. it's just like everybody's running through these colds and stuff. And like you just never uh, know if it, it's not COVID or anything, but there are these weird like chest colds. So like you feel totally fine, except your voice just disappears. So if it sounds like I have emphysema by the end of this podcast, like that's that's why I I only have like so many minutes on my voice and it's it's really weird. But uh, it's the same thing with Kristen; she's been dealing with it for like a week, and so I have a fun week to look forward to. <laughs> so. Oh, sorry guys, I can't take any phone calls. Um, <laughs> yeah, weirdest thing, uh. my voice is just gone. Sorry. <laughs> Hashtag sorry, not sorry. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I like it at all. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. How about you? How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. It's been a very Monday kind of Monday. Like it's like the Monday that one Mondays. Of the, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It just like there was nothing bad. I mean, in fact, lots of good stuff. So like it's Catholic schools week. And so we're, you know, doing goofy little things to celebrate throughout the week. Like I'm looking forward to on uh, Wednesday. So the day that uh, this actually publishes, we'll be hosting like a, a priests versus students basketball game. Nice. Uh, so yeah, like a group of priests will come out and play basketball against a bunch of our students who are not on the basketball team because their coaches aren't willing to risk an injury, which, you know, fair enough. Um, but yeah, like, so that'll be fun. All that's good, but it is. It's just one of those things, man. I don't know. All of a sudden, around 6, 6.30 on this particular Monday night, I was just like, man, I could totally go to bed right now and not feel yeah. even a little bit bad about it. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you on that. I'm I'm there. Oi vey. Everybody's like, <laughs> oh, this is going to be the most exciting podcast I ever heard. We're both like, hey, look, man. We should just sleep. We're, we're talking about the gifts of the spirit. We're just going to have to let it come rolling through. <laughs> there like, you that's go. all there is. Okay, God, this one's all yours, man. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we're, we're counting on you. All right, let's hit him with an intro then. Welcome to the podcast, Blue Collar Scholars. Not long ago, a group of brilliant minds met together at a pub to discuss their unfinished works. They recognize the value of coming together around delicious beverages and having meaningful conversations. That group was known as the Inklings. The Inkledoo podcast here, we're working to be the second iteration of that group. So pour yourself a craft beverage, pull up a chair, and join the conversation. All right, you had anything uh, good to drink at least? Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually, I did. I uh, went to the grocery store and saw something from Four Peaks that I hadn't seen before. Mm. Their um, their take on a coffee porter, I think, actually, um, called Cool Beans, uh, mm. with, complete with, like, the super goofy spelling of cool, K-U with an umlaut oh, yeah. over it, H-L. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like, it's, I mean, it's it's super nerdy. It, it hit me right in all of my favorite spots. Um, but yeah, it's a... It's a nice balanced beer. Um, it is very smooth. It's got some of the. Uh, it, it has a decent amount of bitterness. Um, 
So not like an IPA where it's just straight up hops mm-hmm. and that resinous kind of thing going. But there is definitely a, a bitterness to it. Um, kind of like a dark roast coffee almost. But it's got a little bit of a vanilla flavor added to it. And they did yeah. a really good job of like balancing that. Because, you know, vanilla is one of those flavors where you don't have to add a whole lot before that's all there is. Mm-hmm. And they, this one does not have that problem. Instead, it is like just kind of a, a subtle uh, vanilla flavor that kind of goes with the slightly heavier, boozy sweetness on it okay. to kind of bring some balance on the, the the bitter notes on it. But yeah, no, it is. It's a really pleasant drink. Um, I would say it's like a solid, you know, one of those seven or eight beers. Like, it's definitely one of those ones where it's like, man, yeah, this uh, this is well worth drinking. Nice. But not one where I'm like, oh, no, no, this is the beer. You've got to have it. But like, no, just it's more than just a like good sample beer. Uh, like I've got a six pack of it and have no regrets about it. But it right. is. Yeah. You know, it's just exactly what I needed. Um, Deal. And it's hitting real nice tonight, too, actually. Like just kind of a it's been a while since I've had a, a beer on a on a school night. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, like I said, man, it just felt like a, a night where I, I could go for one. Like and, I've, uh, I've earned this one on Monday. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And, and it's, like, it, it's a really nice slow sipper. And like, dark beers are such a treat. Gonna slam down. Yes, exactly. You know, they it really, really are. It's feel like, like my dessert tonight. Yeah, it's a treat yourself beer. That's exactly like what. Mm-hmm. That's how I view most dark beers. To be honest with you, like I don't unless I'm having. You know, a really smoky barbecue. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, it, it doesn't go with. I mean, it, it can go with more than that, but that's what I'm really looking to pair it with food. Other, otherwise, like I, it's just a. No, no, I just want to drink this because it has all the flavors that I want exactly in right now. You know, kind of a thing. Exactly. Like I don't need it to pair with anything else. It, it it's bringing the flavors that I want. Um, yeah. And so I'm just gonna kind of sit here and sip on this and enjoy myself this evening. Yeah. Not- Nothing wrong with that. Plus, man. I drank way too much coffee today. Like, went through a 32-ounce uh, cold, of cold brew in the morning. <laughs> so it's like... How do you look, do that? Um, And not die? Well, you know, look. The, the jury's still out on the second part. Uh, <laughs> but I, I guess you gotta make it through you know, the night. It, you know? <laughs> well, so it's kind of one of those things where, uh, for me, a lot of times what it is is I'll... I'll have the cold brew chilling in the fridge, get up in the morning, and then I pour it into, for Christmas, one of the students got me a, uh, like, a Hydro Flask style thing, but, like, with my name on it and our high school's logo. It's really cool. Nice. But it's 32 ounces, and it does that same, like, it keeps the temperature Mm -hmm. right where it is. And so it's not like I get up in the morning and I slam 32 ounces of cold brew down or anything. that's fair. But it's more like, for the first... So I get up around five and normally by about my second or third class, somewhere around that 1030 in the morning range, I'm, I'm out of coffee. And yeah, so like okay, it's, okay. it's over the course of a few hours that I'm going, but like it is still far, it, far more caffeine than my body needs. In right. It. Yeah. I was going to say it's still too much, but it's not oh, as yeah. unreasonable as I think about it. Like when you say 32 ounces, you're like, holy crap. But you're like, no, that's a mason jar right. full of coffee. I, I, and like, and I've done that. I did not just fill up a. Exactly. I did not fill up like a uh, 
Thirstbuster from one of the convenience stores and just slam it down on my drive to school <laughs> in the morning. You just put your straw in the, the jug that you buy at the grocery store. <laughs> there it is, man. There it is. Just bam. Oh, that sounds... Yeah, no, thank God I, like... don't, I don't do that anymore. Um, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That's since the fifth heart attack. Uh, yeah, dude, I, it messes me up, man. I... I I drink all kinds of weird stuff though. Like I'm all over the place, but yeah, I, I keep it. I probably am only around the 20, Oh, I guess 20, 24 ounces is probably like, that's what you're supposed okay. to have for the healthy thing. Like the four uh, cups a day, I think. Uh huh. And so like, I've kind of brought myself to that level. Cause I, I definitely was way over that for a little while. Um, but now I've added like green tea in and weird green drinks mm. and oh I don't know man like if there's a supplement out there I've probably yeah, I bought think... it like I drink all kinds well, of weird fair stuff. enough so yeah I just I I just am sitting here thinking of uh, shameless plug time for that the interview that I did with Walter and uh, Gustavo over on the the Barbatus pod mm-hmm. where like Walter was still just giggling to himself about the fact that. I am now slinging coffee after spending most of my young adult life saying that it was vile. I know. Uh, I and so sitting that. here thinking about the fact that we're now discussing the fact that I am clearly just slamming down way too much coffee <laughs> to be healthy in a day is such a swing from where I started off. And it, I was thinking about that too. So everybody, I, I posted on Instagram, but you should go listen to this interview. It's 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 not really an interview. It's a discussion on uh, Thomas mm-hmm. Aquinas. And it's really good. Like I really like I put it on while I was doing yard work and I was like, man, this is I really enjoyed enjoyed the podcast. Like it it flowed really well. There was, you know, good stories, good information in it. Uh, You guys dialogued really well. Like it was a really good podcast. And and I really enjoyed the the coffee conversation part of it because I was like, oh, I totally remember being there at AJ's conversion moment. Like. (laughs) When he had the natural coffee at press. Do you remember going to press and doing the coffee tasting? Yep. And you're yeah, like, yeah, when we did the, the coffee tasting. It tastes like, like blueberry. Like, oh, holy like, cow. This is, what? You know, and I was like, yeah. I was and like, from there, I found yet another addiction. Thank like, goodness. I was like, I can't, I don't think I can count any saved souls to my name, but I got one coffee conversion. I know it. <laughs> you were so right, too. It really happened. Oh, man. That's funny. That's fantastic, actually. All right. Okay. We should get into it. I don't really have much for a beverage, to be honest with you. I We picked up like this really nice red wine, uh, mm. Coco Bond. It was a red blend from California. I don't really have a whole lot of descriptors, and that's one of the reasons why I liked it so much, I think, just because it was super easy to drink and accessible, and I was like, I would, mm-hmm. I would, I would do this way more often because uh, I, as much as I like – Having those things that make you think, sometimes it's nice to have something that you can just enjoy. And that, right. And that's what this one was. It was just nice, basic notes. I was like, yep, this is. I'm watching, you know, the book of Boba Fett. I don't need to figure out uh, what I'm drinking. I just need something to taste good to help me enjoy the <laughs> book of Boba Fett. So, exactly. I'm kind of mixed on. Love what do you that, think man. about that shit? Do you like that show? Have you been watching it? Um, I, you know... Yeah, I definitely, I, I've been watching it. I'm up on it. and I'm one, one episode behind, it, so no spoilers. Okay, fair enough. Um, 
It's slow. And yeah, there goes most of what I was literally just about to say. Okay. Because uh, a lot of it was very much the last episode heavy. Got it. Okay. Um, okay. But no, I would say I would say in general, my take on it is I feel like it does. It's doing a lot of things that I like, and I do enjoy the show. But I don't. I don't know that anything has been accomplished yet. Yes. Like my understanding of who Boba is or any of these other characters, I don't feel like has really deepened in any meaningful or significant way. Right. Right. I'm, I'm enjoying watching it, but I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know that from a narrative perspective, anything has happened. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of, well, where I just find nature myself of it. It's mostly been flashbacks. So like we've learned a lot. Yeah. About, that's one of the things I was gonna say. Like I like things they've been doing because there's all these weird characters and races and stuff that you only saw mm-hmm. in the cartoons and now you get to see a whole lot more uh, for some reason Favreau likes the same yeah. people so we're learning all kinds about them but uh but yeah, I was yeah. Like, it's so slow like I'm just like looking for all these nuances and you know I think it'll come around I think it'll get good but but it is building terribly yeah but slow. it's only got a couple of episodes left <laughs> so okay, then, yeah, it, needs it, needs to, it needs to pick up real fast <laughs> Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Not going to derail us any farther than that. But so, <laughs> gifts of the Holy Spirit. We uh, we we hit some of them last uh, last week. What which were kind of the gifts of instruction, which we categorized to kind of we kind of lumped together: prophecy, teaching, exhortation, wisdom, and knowledge. Those are gifts of the Spirit that that we kind of grouped together mm-hmm. because they're similarly uh, intended for. Um, well, like the edification. Well, I guess we said they're all for kind edification of like of the formation. Church. Oh, I like yeah, that. Yeah, they're all for edification of the church. But like, I th- I think those ones are like about the idea of, um, kind of formation, like in terms of how you're building up either groups or individuals specifically, and like, kind of developing them by your wisdom, by your knowledge, um, by the actual instruction part. Uh, and then I think this week, on the other hand, looking at the ones that are kind of for governance or for leadership, this is more about kind of steering the ship. Yeah. Rather than working with, uh, I mean, there is definitely some individual level stuff that has to go on in them. Mm-hmm. But in general, when I was looking at these gifts, I was like, you know what? These ones I feel like are really about just sort of directing the the body of christ as a whole mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm looking through the list so we have exhortation on this list too what what is exhortation so like exhortation is basically that idea of um like not so much correction as calling higher like to exhort uh, okay. someone okay. is to like kind of call them to uh to step up their game to a certain extent. And so I did. Yeah, I put it in both. I think it's. That's fair. I think I, I view it primarily kind of in the one we were talking about last week with that idea of like teaching people because it is an individual call. But at the same time, um, you can also the leadership see it in thing too, the context yeah. of. Right. Like, so, for example, with with your team at work type of thing, or if we were talking about a sports team or something like that, when you're calling an entire group to like come together on something to Mm -hmm. put aside any of the kind of squabbles and differences and things that are going on. Um, So I I definitely see it in both, 
But I think in general, when we're talking about the, the gifts of the spirit and kind of drawing the distinctions in them, you know, we talked last week about that idea that none of these are necessarily comprehensive lists. St. Right. Paul doesn't particularly group them by different styles or different categories. Mm-hmm. So it is all very kind of fluid. But I think when we're talking about this idea of what the gifts are for, it can make it a little bit clearer when right. we do kind of group them this way. I agree. No, I agree completely. One of the things that I really like about the way that you group these two is that you have um, leadership and discernment of spirits together, which I, I like mm-hmm. that too, because I feel like there is so leadership in general, right? Leading from the front, um, being the, the head of yeah. the spear, all of, all of those things that we know as typical leadership stuff, uh, charisma. There's just those people that lead and, and mm-hmm. we follow. Um, I like that you have discernment of spirits next to it because that's kind of a, uh, it makes me think of like the shepherd, you know, like, is this good? Is it bad? Do I let them in? Do I, do I not let them in? Are they going to hurt me? Are they not going to exactly. hurt me? And so there's, it's kind of almost like a defense of the body, which I, I like. And so again, that's, that's all very leadership based, you know, like defending of your people is very leadership, very uh, basic understanding of leadership. But what you group together with those is mercy serving and giving as part of leadership. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the, interesting things to me is that you grouped those two together. And I think it's interesting to me primarily because I'm going through this right now in the day job. So like I, I have, I have like, I I am, if I was going to categorize it, it would be like a a servant leadership. That's my style. Not just because it's a corporate trigger word, but because like my, my (laughs) genuine disposition is to, make other people better. So like in corporate world, most everybody looks up, right? So you're always looking at like, how do right. I make my manager happy? Because I need my manager's approval to get promoted. And I, I, my position is no look down and be like, how do I help my people that work for me win? Because if they win, I, I will be successful by default. Like, like it's just something that happens if they win. And then everybody's right. happier too, because you're never going to use somebody that way. Whereas if you're just trying to please your manager, you'll, I seen people abuse everyone just to make themselves look good. And so like at work right now, we have a lot of people who are like, you should do this. I'd be like, well, where are you? You know, like you're, yeah, you're not leading, you're dictating. Like you're just saying like dictating, like from your mouth, you're just speaking. Ooh, you're I, not, I like that. You're not, you're not, I like that distinction a lot. You know, you're not doing anything. So, so it's not, it's not leadership because one, you, like I said, leadership, you got to be the head of the spirit. You got to be moving. That's action, right? Like you, you have, mm-hmm. you have to show it in action. And then that action correlates to service, giving mercy, all of these things that are interpersonal, external, um, but also an example. Yeah. And I think that's exactly it is. I think, uh, one of the things that Christ talked about was this idea, you know, and he said, do not, you know how it is with the, the rulers of the Gentiles, how they will lord it over one another. It's not to be that way with you. Like Jesus made it very clear that the proper form of leadership, we have a tendency to view, you know, kind of that pyramid model where, you know, the person at the top is the one in charge. Mm-hmm. And there is definitely some truth to that. Like 
you said kind of the the point of the spear, the mm-hmm. the first part that goes in, the one who's leading the charge. It is going to have to be a narrow point in order to be effective. Right. And so there is something to that pyramid. But at the same time, that's when we talk about that pyramid structure is like the pyramid of responsibility. Like it's not um, it's not a pyramid of privilege like that. These people underneath you are like beholden to you. Right. Right. Um, we're, we're, we're leading people who are following freely. They're not slaves mm-hmm. that uh, will just automatically obey what we say. And so we really do have an obligation to lead them by service. Yeah. Like our, we owe them first, you know, like Christ talked about the idea that uh, we did not choose him, but he chose us. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the the leadership model as well is recognizing that like we're we're choosing these people who we're leading to a certain extent like they they respond to us mm. like that's the other part of the leadership is that we're the ones initiating and so we have to make it not appealing in like some vague, like, I don't know, you know, market your job. Well, no, but like we have to make it appealing in terms of uh, kind of going back to that line that people who've been listening to us for more than 45 seconds have heard us say many times that idea of love and then challenge Mm -hmm. like this idea that if people are going to follow our leadership, if they're going to accept the exhortation, if they're going to accept the challenges of being called higher, they're going to do it because they know and believe that we are calling them to this for their sake, not for our own. Mm-hmm. And so that idea of mercy and giving and service is so foundational to what it means to lead people properly. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot because it was is making me like I'm going to backtrack on you here a, l- a little bit and then, Go and then bring it. it back around. But do you have you heard of uh, he's a speaker? I guess now I don't know what you would call him. I don't know what he calls himself. Uh, <laughs> but have you heard of David Goggins before? Uh, the name is familiar, but if so, if you he, quiz me on anything more than recognizing the name, I that's would say. fair. So he's like one of the many Navy SEALs who have come out of the service and written a book and done all these things. Oh, but he's like okay. this ultra, yeah, yeah, yeah. ultra marathon runner. And he had like this crazy, he has this crazy messed up life and this crazy messed up story. And one of the things that he talks about is leadership. And in that, you know, in the teams, he was like, you know what, if you can just dig deep and go a little bit further, like just find a way to deal with the suck and go a little bit further. He's like, you'll find that a group of people just, are following you. He's like, they'll look up and they'll see his name is Goggins. And be like, Hey, Goggins is going I'm like, well, Roger that. And they just get, yeah. get in line and they just follow him and they just go. But then eventually, like you said, as part of a team, like you got to, you can't lead anybody. If in that situation, you know, that's a very violent situation that they were in. You, you know, if your team's not alive, you're not alive, you know? And so you have mm-hmm. to equally care for your team as much as you care for yourself because, they have to care for you as well. So it's it's really symbiotic almost in that the leader is the tip of the spear, but they're alive because of the person behind them and vice versa type of a thing. Yeah, I don't 
Yeah. I don't know, and man. I think I, like it's it's I, really interesting. I think that balance is what's key. I think that balance is so huge. Like so talking about vocations with my juniors and everything and talking about this idea, you know, we we went through the four loves because we were like, okay, so the universal call is going to be a call to holiness. But ultimately, even in our individual call, we know it's going to be some level of service born out of love Mm -hmm. for one another and love for God. And so we did a brief little mini lesson on like the four loves. And I was talking about the, the idea of like agape being something that, to a certain extent, as human beings, we can kind of uh, only partially participate in it. Like mm-hmm. we can't, because unlike God, we're not infinite. We can't constantly be pouring out all that we are. Mm-hmm. We experience moments of it. Right. We're like in this moment, we're able to. But that was kind of the point I was trying to get to is that same idea of like, as human beings, we've got to find that balance between uh, self-care and care for others. Because, again, going with that example that he was talking about, like, okay, so you push through the suck a little bit longer and you find that people are following you. That's awesome. You're pushing through the suck while there's something going on that is actually actively killing you. You've died in the middle of leading them somewhere. Right. They got there following you. They're not equipped to move on without you. Um, And so, like, as, as human beings, we have to find that balance between... Um, that that symbiotic relationship you were talking about, I think, is so key. That ability to recognize when we need to allow others to serve us as well, which is still part of mm. leadership. Yeah, like being able oh. to recognize when is the time to empower someone else to step in and take the reins for a bit. Man, no, that's that's one hundred percent. Like they actually, so I am. I'm a sucker for the SEAL teams, okay? Ever since I watched Charlie <laughs> Sheen play Navy SEALs in the 90s, I'm a fan, okay? But there there are, there's another uh, there's another SEAL out there who, I can't remember his name, but he's talking, and he does a lot of talking about leadership and how, actually, in the teams, leadership is much more fluid than you would think it is. Like, you would think that it is uh, very hierarchical because it's military, right? He's like, but actually, right. in, the, in the team itself, you have specialists, and so you have this guy's a specialist of, of, you know, explosives. This one's a specialist of communications or whatever. And anytime mm-hmm. the situation changes in which the specialist's uh, skills are, are the ones being used, he becomes the leader. So, like, you have, right. you know, the, you, you do have one guy who calls the shots. But, like, as soon as you're coming into demolitions – the one calling the shots is the demolitions expert, you know? And so like, it's, it's very fluid as the situations change the person with the skill set that's best suited for the situation kind of steps up and, and takes charge. And then will also submit to the other person when their skill set is in, at the forefront. And so it's this really push and pull dynamic of, of lead and then submit and back and forth because you're all equal. Submitting doesn't take away your, personhood or your quality right it it means that this person is gifted in this thing and i should follow them because they are doing that and and there's no you know i guess where i'm going is that there's no one person that's going to lead us in 100 of our lives except for jesus right so right we talked about this i think in mentors when we're talking about mentorship like you're going to have a business mentor and then you're going to have a this meant you know a health coach or whatever you're going to have these different people that specialize in these things and you'll submit to them, but then you're going to lead people 
where your skill set is the strongest. Exactly. And that's, it ties in so much too, to like what we were kind of talking about last week with this, or actually a few weeks ago, I think when we, the conversation that first got us started on like, oh, we should talk about the, the gifts of the spirit was when we were talking about this idea that like some of the gifts we receive like for a season, like we're, we're able to, mm-hmm. to do them mm-hmm. at the time and cir- circumstance that they're needed, that, you know, kind of going with that same idea, God as the ultimate team lead is the one who's like, okay, you know what, for right now, I want you to do this. And then we either respond affirmatively and cooperate with that, or we don't. But like, recognizing this idea that we are going to be called to be both leaders and followers mm-hmm. routinely on a daily basis, we're going to have to be both of them in different circumstances. And Understanding that like this leadership or even these these gifts of the spirit are not things that define who we are. Right. They're gifts given to us to use as we are in the situations we're in, but like they're not our defining trait. So you have a really powerful experience where you can feel the the spirit is really guiding you in leadership or is really guiding you in your like mercy that you generally struggle with but today you really needed it at this point and it was coming through in a in a huge way or the discernment of spirits as you're trying to make a decision here and all those things that's awesome that you got it but also recognize when you don't have it and you need Mm -hmm. to be listening to somebody else who god is working through at that moment right and it's not a threat to your value or to your dignity or to your worth it's a re- it's a reality of the given circumstances at the time. Oh man. Ah, oh, I just think like what would the church be like if we were able to to do that? You know, like if we didn't have you, you know, cuz like again, you know, like I come from a lot of the uh Protestant traditions and and it, they're all the same, you know, human beings are human beings. It's mm-hmm. celebrity culture, yep. you know, you get a good pastor in and they all looked at to him like he's the know-all, do-all. Um and then nobody can feels like they can question him and then churches will go down whatever road. Like you can't actually challenge a lot of these things because we don't feel like we can because they're the leader, you know, but, Mm -hmm. but no, hang on. They're, they're leading in that they are good at organization and that they manage this building and God has given them a vision to go somewhere. But that doesn't mean that they're leading in all aspects of, holiness and mercy and giving and there's there's other people that should be doing that and maybe that happens at a different level but you know from just as a uh a pew filler you know like i've never been like Mm -hmm. you know what i don't think this is right and i can i can speak up and say this thing that's just not (laughs) and it's funny because it's the same at work because we're doing like these employee engagement surveys and, and my manager's like Man, you guys should really like the, our scores went down on being able to speak your mind. Like you guys know that you should be able to say whatever you want to me, and we're like, yeah, but we can't. <laughs> you know, like it, it's corporate. Right. It's a corporate office, so you you really can't. Like no matter how cool you think you are, we mm-hmm. still want to have a job, so we can't actually say what we think. And it's kind of that that exactly. way that happens all that time. Yeah. Well, and it's like it's one of those things too, where it's like it's not even just the the fear of losing your job. Like, because 
I feel like most people in most circumstances feel like they would have to like really violently shove their foot in their mouth. Right. To like right. lose their job over it in most circumstances. But it's all the it's all the relationship dynamics and things that go into mm-hmm. it too. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, uh, you know what? Actually, this is a really cool boss. And I really do enjoy being able to talk to them about these things. <laughs> but if I speak my mind on this and he feels like called out or even if he agrees with it and like comes to the conclusion that what I'm saying is true, is that still going to be something that like just hangs in the back of his mind where we're not able to have as many conversations? Like, um, and you know, it's, it's one of those things where we just have a tendency to, and I say we, but what I really mean is I, um, have the this human incredible we. tendency. What? The human we. Yeah. But I mean, like, even at that, it's one of those things where I think I have a tendency to kind of generalize my experiences and say, ah, everyone's experienced this. And sometimes Fair. I'm right, but other times not so much. Fair. And I think for me, one of the big things that kind of holds me back is it's like, uh, it's not a question of even necessarily a fear of consequences as much as it is an attempt to know what all the consequences could be before I say anything. Mm-hmm. And so then by the time I come to the conclusion, oh, no, I could totally say this. Oh, but we're like five conversations further from that now. <laughs> Dang it. Never mind. I'm yeah. not going to be the weirdo who calls this one back. But I do think in terms of what you're talking about, in terms of that idea of leadership and the uh, the importance of recognizing that everyone is called to it, in different times and different Mm -hmm. circumstances. I think one of the big things too, to realize is that all human beings are temporary. Mm -hmm. Like, so even if, you know, this pastor is, or this priest is just like really, really blessed with a lot of gifts, like undoubtedly they've got some struggles, but maybe they're not ones that show up or affect kind of the the community as a whole on a on a large level like overwhelmingly they are not they're those rare individuals who are super good at the managing of things but also have incredible interpersonal skills uh for like one-on-one situations and that pastoral care of souls and things like that and that's fantastic but you know what they're still mortal and they're gonna die Mm -hmm. and so if they're doing everything by themselves Whenever they're gone, whether it's because they've moved to a different church or whether it's because uh, they've reached retirement age or whether it's because life takes unexpected turns and they pass very suddenly. There's a real weakness in that leadership if you have not been building up the people around you and empowering them to practice taking some of those roles, even if they can't take all of them. Right. Like there should be people in your team who are capable of doing some of the things that you do so that if you're gone someday or when you're gone someday, the team is still able to thrive because the team isn't supposed to be dependent on you as the leader. Right. Right. Because, yeah, as a leader, what what are you supposed to be doing? And this applies to uh, 100 percent applies to souls. As a leader, you're supposed to be pointing people towards a vision. Leaders are vision yes. setters. And so we point people and drive people towards a vision, not towards ourselves, but towards something higher, something greater. 
And it's the same, it should be the same thing in ministry. And so you, if you're properly directing people towards God and not towards yourself, then you should see a lot of people come up through that. And you should see other leaders rise to the top because God will pour out gifts into other people as well, you know, and and then Mm -hmm. having that security to not be threatened when God pours out gifts and be like, because it's not about me. It's not about directing people towards me and look how much of a celebrity I am, but it's towards the vision. It's towards Christ. It's towards, you know, that, that giant thing that is much bigger than us that we call God, you know, like it's, it's, it's not, it, it, and I think that's part of it is a lot of us, or at least our modern, I think, understanding of leadership is that it's, it's attracting things to ourselves, to our person and binding things to us. When that is, yes, that is not leadership. That's, I don't know what you would call it's that. It's not healthy leadership. Uh, it's it, yeah. like it, it is, it is a form of leadership, but it's not a healthy one. It's, it's, that is, it's not servant leadership because that's the idea of drawing people to you for your sake, for the boosting of your ego, for the comfort of your life, as opposed to like actually leading them for their sake, that idea of being a servant leader. Because realistically, the goal, and this is one of the things we talk about in education uh, specifically, the goal of a teacher is to a certain extent to make themselves obsolete. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, because realistically, you're supposed to keep learning for your entire life. You're not going to have a classroom teacher for your entire life. My goal is less about Uh, teaching the kids the specifics of uh, terminology and things for vocations and the sacraments. It's more about teaching them how to go and find the truth. Here are things that you can use to pursue answers when you're not sure what is true. And here's how we can use them and let's build some familiarity with them so that someday when you're the 37 year old and you find yourself with a question, you're not having to try and like, Facebook stock or Instagram stock or whatever the heck the new version of social media at that point is me so that you can send me a question because that's not going to work. Right. Like the goal is to train people to build people up so that they are prepared to receive and make use of the gifts that God offers them instead of trying to make them dependent on the gifts that God has given us. I love that. I I actually, when I, when I become a supervisor, I told the team that, look, my goal is for me to be able to sit at my desk, put my feet up, and eat bonbons all day, and and that's it. <laughs> like, I, so I used to tell them, I like, I want you guys all to be so capable that all I, all I got to do is just sit here and eat bonbons. You know, and of course, it took a tremendous amount of effort to get them to do that. But like, I went on what I called paternity leave, which was really just using all of my vacation at one time. And uh-huh. but I left for four weeks, and my team never missed a step. Because it wasn't about me. Like, it wasn't like the, exactly. the job didn't depend on me. The team didn't need me to function. I helped them function, and I right. believe that I helped them function better when I was there. But but really, they could have kept going, you know? Like, uh, they did great because yeah. they had it. It was about them. It wasn't about me. And so I, I love that. Well, and it's kind of like, too, going back to this is many podcasts ago, but you were using the uh, example of teaching your daughter how to ride a bike. And like, it's one of those things. Part of it is that time where you're just sort of the safety net. Mm -hmm. 
Like your job is to run behind her, not holding onto the bike, but you're running alongside as she's pedaling to give her the confidence to keep going, mm-hmm. to know that if something goes wrong, you're there to help. You're the safety net. Um, but it's still her doing it. And then eventually it gets to the point where, okay, so now you're just sort of standing out there and watching her because she's not worried about falling over. But she still knows that if she were to fall over and to actually hurt herself, daddy is there to come in and do what needs doing. And same with when you're the boss at work, like they know their job. Now, there's going to be times where a new thing comes up, a situation that they haven't encountered before. And yeah, they need someone who is authorized basically to make the decision in these new circumstances and so they do they still need you there Mm -hmm. but even when they're not dealing with any of those new things there's the comfort of knowing you know what i'm gonna do my absolute best on this because i know that even if i do mess up there's this person here to kind of you know help make the corrections if they're needed right yeah I like that. Yeah, I didn't expect this to be like a leadership conversation, but it's <laughs> it's the right conversation to have, I think. And it really goes it's been it's just going meh, selfishly. I say that I was trying to justify yeah. it, make it sound like it's for the good of everybody, but really it was it was selfish <laughs> that I wanted to chew on this for a while. Uh so if you were gonna wrap this all up into a life lesson, what would you what would you do? I would honestly, I would say kind of going with the conversation we've sort of just been having is that idea of recognize the kind of the temporary nature of these gifts of leadership. This idea that, you know, don't take the the only permanent leader is God, not you. You, Mm -hmm. Your job is to respond to the gifts he's giving in that moment because he knows what's needed and to make use of them. You know, it on the one hand, it's very freeing from that perspective, because like so for me, for example, if I were in a permanent leadership position and like if I really believed that souls were counting on me, like they were in need of my intervention, I would freeze up like a deer in the headlights Mm. without without any ability to do anything else. (laughs) Like that is a pressure beyond what I as a human being can handle. But that's not my job. My job Mm -hmm. is in those moments where God puts it on my heart to call someone higher, to, you know, demonstrate his mercy and share the gifts that he's given me with others. It's like, oh, okay, cool. I can do that. But it also helps me avoid the temptation to uh, go into egomaniacal behaviors, Mm -hmm. you know, like, because it's not about me. And so... When someone else steps up and leads, that's not a problem. That's a blessing. And it's not uh, a threat to my position. It means at this particular moment, this person is the one who God is calling forward. And I need to be willing to follow them in this moment and be ready to lead if God calls me forward again. Right. Or when God calls me forward again. Right. And and if you are feeling some of that jealousy, like, check it. Because what what that other person is called forward to do might really suck. Like you might really hate it. <laughs> like you like we never think yeah. about that. Like when we're in our giftedness, we're happy and it's easy and it's natural. But then we see these other people doing something in their giftedness and we're like, "Oh, I should have that." And then we go over and do that and you're like, "This sucks, man." 
Why am I over here? <laughs> because you thought it was going to be greener on the other side, but no, man, it's greener where you're gifted. And so it's, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, mm-hmm. that's where that being comfortable with yourself is. I, I agree. I think that's huge. I like that. Um, so my life lesson, if I was going to roll it all into something is that if you are interested in cultivating gifts of leadership or governance, the category that we've done, find somebody to serve. And I think mm. that's where you figure it out. And it's through service. Like that is, it's a pretty key theme from Jesus and Jesus forward. And probably even before I just, uh, not looking back on my old Testament right now. Uh, but <laughs> you know, like it's, it's through service, you know, Jesus washed their feet. Jesus did all of these lowly things. He served and he brought people higher. And then when we do those things, we find that, Oh, okay. Now I get it. I, I made this person, I helped this person up. I lifted them up and now they're better for it. And that kind of made me a leader, even though I was over here, just like sweeping rooms or putting chairs away after church or something, you know, like little acts of service are, can be leadership and it can be ways to develop leadership and it's an easy, accessible way to do it. And so I was talking to a buddy recently and he was having, you know, some direction problems. Like, I don't know what to do. He's got all these like self-help tools. And I was like, man, one, I was like, you need a vision. So we've got something that he wanted to do. He wanted to work on some art. I was like, now go find somebody to serve. Like, don't try to make money off them. Just go serve these people. And then you'll, you get this passion Mm -hmm. for helping. You get this passion for, for people's other people's enjoyment. And then once you see that you're doing something for someone else, then you've, you've kind of figured out servant leadership you're you've come into a, at least a position to be able to feel what it feels like. And you can do it again, hopefully to a greater extent the next time. I think that's huge, man. Oh, my voice lasted the whole podcast too, man. I thought I was going to be, I thought I was going to be pretty rough. Oh no, man. Like, like it, it uh, never, never even sounded like it was threatening to cut out. All right. Yeah. I'm definitely going to be, you know, drinking my peppermint tea or whatever <sighs> Adele told me, uh-huh. told Adele told me to drink when she had her voice problems because so, that's her and I, her singing voices are very similar. So I follow her lead. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> there you go. Wait, wait, wait to recognize oh. that that's the time for you to follow rather than try and lead though. Good job. <laughs> oh, but enough of that tea nonsense. We're not British. We're Americans and we drink coffee. <clears throat> so if you... <laughs> Take our example of leaders and drinking good coffee. No, I'm just teasing. I was trying to figure out a good way to make that happen, but I don't. But we are we are roasters of delicious coffee, so we would uh, love to provide you some of that. If you'd like to support us in our mission to have meaningful conversations, uh, we hope that you would buy a bag of delicious coffee from us, and that helps uh, pay for the podcast and all of the things that we uh, are trying to make happen. So that, everybody, we'll say adieu. Hey everyone, thanks again for listening to another Inkledoo podcast. We hope you really enjoyed it. We really enjoyed making it. If you did enjoy it, please do us a favor and make sure to share it on all your own social media so that other people can find us and enjoy us as well. 